We're doing, we're doing bumper videos now. We have arrived apparently. It's pretty, pretty big stuff. No, uh, it's a great joy to be together this morning. It's always a joy to be in the house of the Lord. Um, for those of you that uh, have come unto our church within the past couple of years, um, I want to introduce to you uh, Mr. Daniel Jarvis. He was our minister of music for seven and a half years uh, ish, seven, seven ish, um, but before before the Lord called him to the Triangle area uh, a couple of Septembers ago. Uh, but we're really really glad that he's back with us today, um, and he's been a great blessing to our worship this morning. I know. Um, so so well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna send you to the back door this afternoon. And let everybody shake your hand, just so you know. Just so you know. Uh, turn with me, if you will, to uh, John chapter nine. John chapter 9. Uh, if you uh, don't have a Bible, turn with me in, in the Pew Bible to page 987. Uh, if, 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 if you come into this place and you go out of this place and still don't have a copy of God's Word, it's your fault. Uh, because, because we encourage you to take that Bible uh, if you need one. So page 987 in our Pew Bible uh, this morning is where we will find uh, John chapter 9. Pastor Jim has been out of town this past week. He's been away on vacation with his wife, and uh, we are so glad that they have had a time of, of, of rest uh, and relaxation together. He will be back in the office tomorrow morning. Um, so I know that I know that Miss Lee has fielded all of the phone calls this week uh, that Pastor Jim missed, but it's been it's been a good week, uh, and we're glad that Pastor Jim has been away. Because of that, I have the awesome responsibility and privilege. Uh, of getting to preach today, I don't get to preach uh, as much uh, because of my other duties here, and I'm, I'm, it's, it's never a good situation to have me leading the music and the preaching on the same day. Uh, so we're really, really glad that Daniel's back with us today. Um, we don't do this every week. Well, yeah. Well, normally we read a passage of scripture, and then I pray, and then I preach from it. That's how Pastor Jim does it. That's how I do it. But because of the fact that we have an odd passage uh, today, we have a long. Narrative, a long story in this passage. I'm actually going to read a few verses and, and talk about them and then read a few more verses and talk about them. Uh, so I'm not going to read the whole of the text, um, uh, verses uh, 13 through 41. I'm not going to read all that today. Um, but I do want to explain to you where we are in the series. Um, since the Sunday after Thanksgiving, uh, we have been in the book of John, the gospel according to John. Um, and we've been learning about who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. And, and the point... The point of John is, is, is not to, not to be like Jesus and do what Jesus did, not to avoid doing the things, uh, that the sinners did, not to, not to forgive, uh, because Jesus forgave. The point of John is to behold who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. And we should naturally respond to those truths uh, with 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 worship, we should naturally respond uh, to those things with with bowing before a holy God and praising Him for who He is. It should affect our thoughts. It should affect our actions. It should affect the way that we treat one another. All of those things should be affected because of the person uh, and the work of Jesus Christ. And that's the whole point of the book of John. And so, in in this chapter today, Pastor Jim started chapter nine last week, and he and he doubled down on how Jesus is the light of the world uh, with the healing of the blind man. 
And this morning we're going to continue to tease out that story. Uh, but before I pray, I want to make a couple points here. The main point of this passage is that the blind man saw Jesus for who he is and he worshipped him. And so the main point of my sermon hopefully will be, y'all can judge me on this, the main point of the sermon should be let uh, let us see whom Jesus is and respond also. So let's uh, let's pray before we dig into verse 13. Father God, what we know not, we ask that you teach us. What we have not, we ask that you give us. What we are not, we ask that you make us. Reveal yourself to us today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's start with verse 13, and we'll begin. I've got, I I don't do sermon outlines quite as well as Pastor Jim does. So when uh, David gets sermon slides from me, it's probably night and day from what he gets from Pastor Jim. I don't know, but... Uh, so I've got I've got several different points, um, and then when we get down to whenever whatever verse we get to, there will be two subpoints. Um, and so we've got several different points today. So don't get don't get too excited. We're not going to be here all day. I'll have you I'll have you out before one. I promise. Um, so let's let's read on verse thirteen. They brought the man who used to be blind to the Pharisees. The day that Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes was the Sabbath. So again, the Pharisees asked him how he received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, he told them. I washed and I can see. Therefore, some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he doesn't keep the Sabbath. But others were saying, how can a sinful man perform such signs? And there was a division among them. Let's stop right there. I'm calling this round one of the interrogation. Uh, let me let me go back and 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 unpack for a moment this this word Sabbath. Uh, and those of you that haven't had the privilege of of reading my profound writing, uh, if you look at the uh, newsletter article from May or April, I don't know, sometime back in there, um, I, I I spent some time writing a newsletter article on what the Sabbath is and what the Sabbath should be. And Jesus Himself says that uh, that man was not created for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was created for man. The Sabbath is, is intended doctrinally in, in Exodus chapter 20 to be a time of, of rest and worship uh, and reflection upon God. And so that's what, that's what the Sabbath is intended to be. The, the Pharisees and the, the, the scribes and, and the, 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 the Jewish uh, educated attorneys, I guess you could say, uh, they put in place a series of rules... Uh, over over time, from 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 Moses to to David, into the end of the Old Testament, into the day of Jesus, they put together a series of rules and regulations about what you can and cannot do on the Sabbath. These are the things that are allowed. These are the things that are not allowed. Uh, Pastor Jim has used the example of of a bucket in a well. Obviously, they didn't have running water, and so we they used to draw their water from a well. Well, if you put your bucket in the well and pulled your bucket out of the well. That was that was work on the Sabbath. That was forbidden. Uh, but Pastor Jim loves this one. He says, if you put your bucket in the night before the Sabbath, go ahead and lower it. Then during the Sabbath, you can draw the bucket out. Uh, and that's not work on the Sabbath, which is the hardest part is pulling it out. So you can kick a bucket as long as you kick the bucket. Not nah, wait a minute. There's a joke there. But um, I, I use that as an example. It's it. It was, it was absurd, it was trivial to the point of absurdity. 
the, the rules and regulations that were in place uh, on the Sabbath uh, and, 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 the, and, the, and the, Jewish, the Jewish law and the Jewish tradition. One of the things that was expressly forbidden on the Sabbath was to knead dough with your hands. I don't know when you're going to knead dough. Uh, I don't know when you're going to have to make bread. But it was forbidden to knead dough with a K. Need with uh, on the on the Sabbath day. Well, they believed that Jesus had probably needed the clay, needed the mud uh, to put the mud on the blind man's eyes. Now, so that would have been strictly forbidden on the Sabbath day. And so the, the 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 Jewish leaders here in this in this passage are more concerned about the rules and the regulations of of what we can do and what we cannot do, uh, and they had missed the point of what the Sabbath was. The Sabbath was, was, was established by God in the Old Testament to be a day of rest and a day of worship. And so the Sabbath was created for man. Man was not created for the Sabbath. Jesus makes that clear. So the, the, the Jewish leaders were more concerned with, with rule making and rule breaking than the spirit of what the Sabbath is. Uh, it says a division arose among them. Uh, in the day of Jesus, uh, they were, the, the, the Jewish leaders Wrote what's called the Mishnah. How many of you have heard of the Mishnah? You've you've got a copy of the Mishnah. Uh, okay, it's an old it's a it's an old book, and it basically the the first five books of the Old Testament are the Torah, uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. That's the law of Moses. Well, over the course of time, throughout the Old Testament, and then in the 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 four hundred years between the two testaments, lot, much debate took place about the laws uh, of the Old Testament, and so in order to to keep from breaking God's laws, they put a bunch of other rules and laws around those rules to protect the law of God. Uh, and, and the Mishnah is referred to as the hedge of the Torah. And so if, if you follow all the rules in the Mishnah, you're, you're going to follow all the rules in the Torah by default. And so that's where we get all the rules and regulations concerning the Sabbath. Well, in the, in the days of Jesus, and we, we learn about this from from extra-biblical historical literature. In the days of Jesus, much debate was taking place about what the rules should and should not be in the Mishnah. And so, so there, there, were, there were two schools of thought. One school was the Shammai school. There was a rabbi named Shammai. And, and their school of thought was anyone who breaks the law is a sinner. They were a, they were a letter of the law group of people. And, and this word may be more familiar to you. There was another school of thought called the Hillel school of thought. And it established, it was, it was, it was more concerned with the established facts of a case. Uh, Jesus performed a good work. And so he's not a sinner because he performed a good work despite the fact that he broke one of the rules. And uh, so they're, they're more concerned with, with the spirit of the law, uh, which is a good thing, but, but because of that, they tended to interpret the Old Testament law much more liberally, more of a more of a spirit of the law, not the letter of the law type of a type of a group. And so the most of the Pharisees found themselves in the Shammai school. Many of the Sadducees found themselves in the Hillel school. And, and in amongst the Jewish leaders, there was a great debate that was ongoing in Jesus day about all kinds of issues. Well, no stranger to a good debate. Jesus does what I like to do. Let's just pull the pin on the grenade and throw it out in the middle and let them deal with all the consequences. And so Jesus is just stirring the pot here. 
uh, Jesus is stirring the pot and, and, and time after time after time in the New Testament, particularly in the book of John, Jesus makes abundantly clear that he came to rearrange the rules of the Sabbath. He came to help them understand that the Sabbath was created for man, not man for the Sabbath. Time after time, Jesus makes that point. We saw that in chapter 5 with the healing of the lame man. We see that here in chapter 9 with the healing of the blind man. And so time after time, Jesus is just stirring the pot and getting them all whipped up into a, a nice little lather of debate. Um, so that's, that's where we find ourselves in verse 17. Onward. Verse 17. Again, they asked the blind man, what do you say about him? That's Jesus is the him there. Uh, Since he opened your eyes. He's a prophet, the man said. The Jews did not believe this about him, that he was blind and had received his sight, until they summoned the parents of the one who had received his sight. Verse 19. Then they asked them, that's, uh, that's the parents, Is this your son, the one you say was born blind? How then does he now see? Verse 20. We, we know this is our son, and that he was born blind, his parents answered. Uh, but we don't know how he now sees. And we don't know who opened his eyes. Ask him. He's of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they were afraid of the Jews. Since the Jews had already agreed that if anyone confessed him, there is Jesus, confessed Jesus as Messiah, they would be banned from the synagogue. This is why his parents said he's of age. Ask him. So the next part of the interrogation uh, is, is the interrogation of the parents. The parents, it says, were afraid of the Jews. Let me unpack that phrase for just a moment. They were, they were really afraid of the Jewish leaders. They weren't afraid of the Jewish people. They, they were Jewish people. They weren't afraid of themselves. What they were afraid of was the Jewish leadership, the Sanhedrin, uh, the Pharisees in particular. And so that's where we're, that's what we're talking about is, is they were afraid of the Jews. They were afraid of the leadership of the Jews. Uh, but the more important point that I would like to to uh, to tease out of this passage about the parents is that the parents have have a clear fear of man issue. This is a key theme throughout the Gospel of John, uh, and and John makes clear that one of the main reasons for unbelief over and over again is a fear of man. The parents fear people more than they fear God. Uh, that was true of Peter when he denied Jesus three times. That is true of us. And whether we, whether we deny Jesus verbally the way that Peter did or not, the way that we live and the way that we, we, we carry our lives in front of others to see, oftentimes we suffer from a fear of man issue more than a fear of God issue. We, we, we allow conversations to take place around us that probably we should not be a part of. We, we don't, we don't openly uh, criticize things because we're just going to let it happen. We we allow things to be condemned that we shouldn't be condemning, and so so we 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 tend to be kind of a hands off. We're we're more afraid of man than we are afraid of God, and 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 there's a whole host of applications there, but we don't have time for that. But just know that the parents were more afraid of the Jewish leaders than they were afraid of the Lord, and it's important that we fear God more than we fear man. There's a whole sermon series on the fear of man that we could tease from all kinds of portions of scripture but we don't have time for that today let's move on to verse 24 so a second time 
They summoned the man who had been blind and told him, give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. Uh Uh-oh, I skipped a verse. Verse 25. He answered, whether or not he's a sinner, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind and I can see. Then they asked him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? I already told you, he said, and don't you listen? I love this. Why do you want to hear it again? You don't want to become his disciples too, do you? They ridiculed him. You're that man's disciple, but we're Moses' disciples. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but this man, we don't know where he's from. Again, I, I, I call this round two of the interrogation. They begin, they begin by saying, give glory to God. That's a, that's a, a reference to uh, Joshua chapter seven, uh, and it's, that's, that's a, that's a way of expressing uh, to give a solemn charge to tell the truth. And so Jewish leaders would use the phrase, give glory to God, as a way of uh, a kind of swearing in a witness, if you will. A solemn charge to tell the truth. But I don't think they uh, understand the full irony of that phrase, give glory to God. The blind man was going to give glory to God. He, he was not going to give God the glory the way that they wanted him to give God the glory. Uh, because they wanted him to give glory to God on their terms. But he gave glory to God. And so that I just wanted to uh, tease out that little expression there. It's a little bit confusing. But if you will, um, look with me uh, at verse uh, 28. They talk about being Moses' disciples. They had, they had the letter of the law, but not the spirit of the law. We've already talked a little bit about that. Moses himself writes... In Leviticus and again in Deuteronomy, he writes about the circumcision of the heart being more important than the circumcision of the flesh. Moses declares that, that, that mankind should, should worship and obey God on his terms. And so, so his terms were to follow certain rules and to obey certain things and recognize that you're unholy and go through the ritual cleansing process before you're qualified to give a sacrifice in the temple. But 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 worshiping God on his terms was about a, a matter of the heart, not a matter of the flesh and obeying all the rules. And so Moses makes that abundantly clear. But the but the the Pharisees in Jesus, they had missed the point of, of the circumcision of the heart. They were more concerned with the flesh and the rules and regulations. And so uh, so they were ignorant and, and the, their, their own ignorance is just it's so ironic in, in these verses. Verse 25, I love this. This is, this is the verse of the day. If you, if you hear this, if you hear anything, hear this. The blind man says, whether or not he's a sinner, I know not. One thing I do know, I was blind and now I can see. What a tremendous testimony that is. I, I love, I love this verse. Uh, Dr. James Emery White, former, uh, seminary professor, now he's a pastor down in Charlotte. He writes, one thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. This simple testimony has been the incontrovertible evidence for the Christian faith for centuries. Oh, that our testimony would be so simple. Uh, we've, we've, we've talked a little bit over the past few years about, you know, what it means to give a testimony. What our, what our testimony is. The story of our salvation. And it's important, hear me. It's important who the protagonist in our testimony is. We go to school. You got an English class coming up tomorrow. Get excited about that. We got English. We learn about the protagonist of a story. Okay. You read the story. Who's the protagonist? The main character. The good guy. 
That's the protagonist of the story. When we talk about giving a testimony and sharing our testimony with, with someone, the, the protagonist of our story should not be ourselves. Y'all are sitting there going, well, that doesn't make any sense, AJ. Well, hang on. The protagonist of our story should be Christ. We, we have to marry our personal testimony to the good news of Jesus' salvation. The protagonist of our testimony should be the Messiah, not ourselves. So when we, when we talk about, okay, Christ has done this in my life, and Christ has done this in my life, and Christ has done this in my life, that's the point of our testimony. The point is not, well, I was a, I was a pretty good guy. I was raised in church. And then, and then one day, one day, I chose to walk the aisle, and I chose to be saved. No, not a good testimony. You fail. That's testimony 101. That's a, that's a D minus or an F. The point is, is this is who I was. And this is who I am today because of Jesus. That's what a testimony should be. And it's important. It's important that we understand what God's word teaches so that our testimony is simply a part of God's story. We are not the protagonist of our testimony. Jesus is. Another, another, uh, point that I would like to, to couch that this is, this is not from John 9, but James teaches us, James teaches us that, that not many should teach. Uh, and I would go a step further and say not many should preach. Um, and before, before we give testimony, it is, it is, it behooves us to understand God's word. It, it, it is incumbent upon us to read and understand and know well the, 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 the word of God. And, and it is only then that we're really capable of, of giving a testimony like we should give. A, a baby Christian who is still drinking milk isn't ready to give a testimony yet because they don't even understand all of the things that the Bible teach. But it's important that as we, as we grow and as we mature in our faith, we understand the, the word of God. We understand what scripture teaches so that we are then capable of giving the testimony that we should give. So that's, that's an aside there, but, but I, but I appreciate the spirit of this man because he says, he says, well, I don't, I don't know much, but I know this. I was blind and now I can see. What a powerful testimony that is. And all of us, all of us should exercise that kind of humility. I, I don't know much. I don't know much. I know the Bible teaches this and I don't even understand all that, but this is who I was. And, and this is who I am today because of Jesus. That's the kind of testimony that this man gave. And that's the kind of testimony that we should give. Verse 30. Oh, man, we got plenty of time. This is so great. I tell you, it's like the, the old band's back together. We're going to take a farewell tour. I tell you, it's going to be one for the road. Anyway, um, verse 30. Verse 30. This is an amazing thing they told The man told them, you don't know where he is from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God doesn't listen to sinners, but if anyone is God-fearing and does his will, he listens to him. Throughout history, no one has ever heard of someone opening the eyes of a person born blind. If this man were not from God, he wouldn't be able to do anything. You were born entirely in sin, they replied. Are you trying to teach us? Then they threw him out. This passage is just, I can't even, the, the, the arrogance 
of the Pharisees is on full display here. I don't even, I mean, I can't even begin to wrap my mind around how stupid these guys are. I mean, they, they, they're not only, they're, 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 they're debating amongst themselves and they're, they're discussing, well, whether or not Jesus is a sinner or whether or not this should be done on the Sabbath or this should be allowed. And they're, they're so, they're already angry. They're already angry. And now we see their, their sheer arrogance. This man is proclaiming to them truths that they should be aware of from the Old Testament. You, you, you don't know where he's from, but he opened my eyes. We, we know this is a, this is a Jew speaking to Jewish leaders. We know that God doesn't listen to sinners. But if anyone is God fearing and does his will, then, then God listens to them. This is abundantly clear in the Old Testament. The, the blind man, I mean, th- this is an uneducated fellow. This is uh, a man who would have been on the outcast, the very fringe of society for his whole life. And this is a man who understood some, some key truths from the Old Testament. And the, the Pharisees are completely ignorant to this. Their, their arrogance astounds me. And so they don't, even, they don't even wrap their minds around the truth that this fellow is saying. And I love this. Verse 32. Throughout history, no one has ever heard of someone opening the eyes of a person born blind. If this man were not from God, he wouldn't be able to do anything. I mean... I don't know who he is. I'm just telling you, I was born blind, but now I can see. I don't know much about much, but he understood who God was in the Old Testament. He understood who God listened to and who God didn't listen to. He understood what types of miracles had taken place already and what type of miracles had never they had never seen before. He's he's trying his best to help these people understand what has what has taken place here, but these. These, these Pharisees are, are so ignorant. The blind man's wisdom is, is, it's, it's amazing to me. He continues to proclaim what he does know. God doesn't listen to sinners. And he also goes a step further and cites the history of this type of healing. There was, there were healings in the Old Testament. And there were, there were healings in, in, in Jewish historical literature that, that's not Old Testament, outside the Bible, Jewish historical teachings. There, there were histories of, of, of people who, who became blind and then they could see again. There were histories of, of, of healing taking place and miraculous things. Nowhere in Scripture or out of Scripture did the Jews have a record of someone being able to see when they were born blind. The blind man knew this and the, and the Pharisees didn't even pay attention to it. Their understanding of his blindness in verse 34 is directly opposed to Jesus' understanding of his blindness in verse 3. Flip back over to verse 3. Pastor Jim preached this. Pastor Jim preached this uh, yes, uh, last, last Sunday. Because the question was, who sinned? This guy or his parents? Jesus answers, neither this man nor his parents sinned. This came about. So that the, the work of God might be displayed in his life. That's the point to this fellow being born blind. And the, and the Pharisees were completely ignorant to that. All the Pharisees said is, is you were born entirely in sin. Why should we even listen to you, little fellow? You, 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 you don't even know what you're talking about. You were entirely born in sin. And they, they completely contradict what Jesus had said in verse 3. He calls out their ignorance 
uh, in verse 33. And, and, and I love this passage from James. Be quick to hear, slow to wrath, and slow to speak. It seems to me that by, by getting all elevated and kicking him out of the synagogue, they managed to disobey all three of James' instructions in one fell swoop. Be quick to hear, be, be slow to speak, and be slow to wrath. Well, they are three for three as far as disobeying James. Now, grant you, the book of James was written after this. They, they didn't have the book of James to read. I got it. But still, the biblical principles of, of wisdom and, and listening and understanding the word of God before we speak and before we, before we are angry are things that they should have known. It says that they threw him out. Uh, if you'll allow me just a moment. I want to look, I want to, I want to tease out this phrase, uh, for a moment. They had already declared anyone that would, that would proclaim Jesus as the Messiah was to be formally excommunicated from the temple. Um, we don't know if, if this is a formal excommunication, they kicked him out permanently, or if this was perhaps even more stupid, uh, in, in a fit of rage, they, they just, they kicked him out, um, because they were mad at him that day. So was this a, a formal excommunication or not? Either way, they, they disassociated him from, uh, from the synagogue. Because of their arrogance, their anger, their ignorance, and their own blindness. Now we get to verse 35. This is where it gets good. I still got time to preach. Get excited. Verse 35. When Jesus heard that they had thrown the man out, he found him and asked, do you believe in the son of man? This is, this is Jesus speaking. Do you believe in the son of man? Who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? The blind man said, Jesus answered, you have seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. I believe Lord, he said, and he worshiped him. Jesus said, I came into this world for judgment in order that those who do not see will see. And those who do see will become blind. Some of the Pharisees who were with him heard these things and asked him. They, they, they asked Jesus, we aren't blind too, are we? If you were blind, Jesus told them, you wouldn't have sin. But now that you say we see, your sin remains. This, this passage, oh man, this is so good. I love this stuff. Um, here we see Jesus uh, revealing himself for all of his glory uh, to this fellow that he had healed uh, up at the beginning of the chapter. Verses 35 through 38 uh, address proper response to Jesus revealing himself. We have, we have revelation and worship. Pastor Jim preached uh, from verses 6 and 7 last Sunday, that, that Jesus brought light to this man by his simple obedience. Uh, Pastor Jim also compared this to the lame man in chapter 5. I, I preached uh, from chapter 5, the lame man, back in... I don't know when that was. May? Anyway, uh, we, we talked about the, the lame man in chapter 5. And, and we, we, we know from chapter 5 that this man may or may not have been saved. We don't know that. Jesus performed a mighty work. Jesus healed this man completely. He got up from his bedroll and he, and he, he picked up his mat and he walked. But chapter five never indicates that, that this man accepted Jesus as the Messiah and was saved. 
We, we don't know that. Uh, and Pastor Jim compared that to the beginning of chapter 9. And, and Pastor Jim made clear that this man got saved. He was, he was obedient to, to Jesus and he got saved. And the reason Pastor Jim declared that with such authority is because Pastor Jim had read the end of this chapter. And we understand that this man had responded to who Jesus is and what Jesus did. So, so, so he was, he was confronted by Jesus again and, and he responded the way that he should have. Uh, in, in, uh, in the New Covenant commentary, J. Kana, Kana Garage. I don't know how you say this guy's name. Pretty smart guy, but I don't know how to say his name. Um, he writes, We can observe a growth in this man's understanding of Jesus. As it was with the Samaritan woman. He first understood him as, as a man. In verse 11. Then, uh, then as a prophet, we saw that in verse 17. Afterwards, as, as the man from God, we saw that in verse 33. And finally, as the son of man who came from heaven to render judgment as the Lord who is to be worshipped in verse 37. So this man, uh, over the, over this, this chapter, chapter nine, the, the telling of this story, this man understood who Jesus was. Each time he had an interaction with Christ, he saw him more fully. And he understood who Jesus was, and he responded accordingly. He worshipped Christ because of what Christ had done in his life. But he worshipped the Christ because of who he was. He worshipped Jesus for who he was. And so, so this is the type of response that we should look to as the correct response. When, when we are, are, when, when, when Jesus reveals himself to us afresh and anew, when Jesus speaks to our heart, you know, we sing, speak to my heart, Lord Jesus. When we ask Jesus to speak to our heart and he does so, there should be a natural response. We should naturally worship him in spirit and in truth, corporately as a church, individually, Monday through Saturday. We should live a lifestyle of worship as a response to the, to the revelation of, of Christ. And so that's what this man did and that's what, that's what we should do. Verses 39 through 41 tell a different story. This is revelation and rejection. Uh, let me first go down to verse, uh, let, let me go back to, to verse 41 first. Uh, you, you, your sin remains or you, you have sin is, is not, it's a, it's a, it's, it's a early New Testament phrase. It's a, it's a Greek phrase that comes from a Hebrew phrase. And it's not talking about the, the existence of sin in your life. We, we all have sin. We all, our sin all remains in, in each and every one of us. But the, the, the wording that they use here in the Greek is indicative of, of a, of an, of an idiom. In, in Jesus' day, and it was basically referring to an awareness of your guilt. That's what Jesus is saying here. Uh, so if you say that we see, then, then you, then you should remain aware of your guilt. That's what Jesus is teaching there in verse 41. And so, so, uh, the, the, the blindness and, and the sight that we're talking about is not whether or not someone sins and, and whether or not someone has sin in their life. What we're talking about here in these verses is, is whether or not someone is, is aware of their sin guilt. And so I, I reflect back to uh, verse 28. The, the, the Jewish leaders say that we were disciples of Moses. Uh, so Moses gave them the law in the Old Testament. And, and, and they understood, they understood God's character 
And they understood their own unholiness. That was the whole point of the law. And I've, I've referred to this before. I've talked about this before. You got a highlighter. You know, you, you highlight the relevant passages. Daniel loves my little yellow highlighter. Highlight the important parts. Miss Lee has a different set of things highlighted on Sunday mornings. You, you, you see the things that need your attention. The Old Testament law is a big, fat highlighter of sin. That's the whole point of the Old Testament law. The more you study the Old Testament law, the more you should be aware of the fact that God is a holy other God. He is creator. Everything else is creation. He is different than everything else. God is God is holy. Mankind is not. That's the point of the law. And so the more you study the law, the more you, under, the more you understand the ritualistic cleansings that should take place. And the more you understand why you should cleanse uh, in this ritualistic way because of all the lists of rules and sins, the more you should realize that you are highlighted all over the place. The more you read the Old Testament law, the more you should realize that, that you will never be able to measure up to God's standard. That's the point of the law. And so the, the Pharisees should have been more aware of their yellow highlighting than anyone else. They had read the law. They had supposedly known and understood the law. They should have been more aware of their own sin than anyone else. But because of the fact that they were more concerned about the letter of the law than the spirit of the law, they were more concerned with other people's actions than they were their own sin problem. There's an application point there somewhere. Um, but we, when, when we have received word from the Lord, He reveals to us how wicked and sinful and depraved we are. How unholy we are and how unworthy we are to have a personal relationship with Him. The Jews were unworthy to enter into the tabernacle. We are unworthy to call ourselves children and co-heirs with Jesus. We are unworthy to even speak the name of Yahweh. The Old Testament makes that abundantly clear. And yet, as Hebrews tells us, because of the grace of Christ, we can now freely and boldly approach the throne of grace. We should be aware of our own unworthiness. And we should be aware of our own sin problems. And the Jews, the Jewish leaders, the Pharisees of all people, should have been very aware of their own sin problem. But they were blind to their own sin. Uh, Proverbs teaches about earthly wisdom versus wisdom from above. These Jews were, were slam full of earthly wisdom. They obeyed the rules. They were, they were making more rules. But they didn't understand wisdom from above. They didn't understand the matter of the circumcision of the heart. The way that Moses had instructed them to do. Dr. White writes again. The healing of this blind man took place on two levels. At the physical level, his sight was restored. On the spiritual level, he had come to faith in Christ. This man serves as a paradigm for Jesus' entire ministry. Jesus' ministry in the book of John and Jesus' ministry today in our lives. Jesus brings uh, uh, healing and a, in a physical level, but Jesus on a spiritual level, brings restoration and faith. 
And so, so we must take hold of this free gift of Christ and respond the way that the blind man responded, not the way that the Pharisees responded. The question is not, are you blind or can you see? We have all been given the word of God and he has, he has illuminated our sin. If, if you've never heard the word of God, I, I, I pray, I pray that you have heard the word of God today. We, we, we all should have an awareness of our sin. He's given us his word. He's illuminated our sin. So the question is not, are you blind or can you see? The question is, will we respond to the light of the world the way this man did? That's the question. Will we fall down and worship Jesus because of who he is and because of what he's done? That's the question. Matthew Henry writes this. If we take our measures of credit and disgrace from the sentiment or rather clamors of a blind, deluded world, we shall glory in our shame and be ashamed of our glory. Pastor Jim preached a couple of weeks ago about, about dying in your sin. And, and this chapter ends, uh, verses 40 and 41 are, are really uh, a heavy blow uh, to the Pharisees. Jesus is, is indicting their lack of faith. Pastor Jim teased all that out a couple weeks ago when we talked about dying in your sin. It is imperative that we not be blinded the way that the Pharisees were blinded. It's, it's so important that we recognize Jesus for who he is and we respond the way the blind man responded. So here's, here's where I want us to, to, to land the plane today. There are several points of application today. First, are you in fear of God or do you suffer from a fear of man? Like the parents. Are you more consumed with keeping rules and regulations of what a good Christian should be? Or are you wallowing in the grace of Christ? That's the application point from the Pharisees. Given your awareness of sin, how will you respond to the light? Maybe you need to repent of your sin and invite Christ into your heart this morning. So that we as a church can can help disciple you into the Christian God desires for you to be. Maybe you need to commit your life to one of Christian service vocational or otherwise. Maybe God has called you to join this church. However the Lord is speaking to you, I pray that you would would see him for who he is and respond to him speaking to you today. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the person and the work of Jesus. We thank you for Revealing yourselves to, your, yourself to us. I pray that we ourselves would respond the way that the blind man responded. Father, may we not respond the way that the Pharisees did. I pray that you would help us to see our own sinfulness. And help us to be obedient to your word. Father, I pray that you would speak to our hearts even now. I pray that you have worked In our hearts this morning. Despite my inadequacy. But God I pray that you have personally revealed. And and, and illuminated yourselves in our souls. God we ask. We ask that you, you give us the grace. To respond accordingly today. The way you would have us to do. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you. For giving us the light. I pray that we would take hold of that light. Today. I ask these things in his strong name. Amen.